When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do That's some bad hat Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 3. Damask mm-hmm. Leary, how are you this fine morning? I'm very well, thank you, Brad. My girlfriend and I uh, just found a new place to move into. Congratulations. Thank you so much. As I told you earlier, it's only a six-minute drive from your house. I, I'm very excited. So we can be together all the time. All the time. All the time, Brad. Yay. How are you? I'm actually super excited about this. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's one week until Star Wars comes out. Actually, less than that. Mm, uh, yes. It's like five sleeps for us or something like that because <gasps> we're not sleeping on Wednesday because it's a midnight screening That's we're going true. to. <laughs> Thursday is going to be fun. Thursday is going to be a struggle. Mm. Uh, how are you feeling a week out? Are you excited? Are you? I'm getting more and more excited because I think I am not as invested, I think, as most. Okay. I've been a little checked out. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to watch it from a completely neutral standpoint. Sure. And then watch the world explode around me. Oh, it's already started. Oh, I know. Someone lit a match yesterday. And it's and- only going to get worse. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I'll be laughing and laughing because no one's opinion matters. <laughs> mm. My enthusiasm is it's coming in waves. It's like coming and going. It's very much a roller coaster at the moment. Because mm. I'm like you. I haven't been super invested in like we've we bought tickets day one we we're always yeah. going to a midnight screening mm-hmm. but like i haven't watched one, any trailers more than once or twice maybe no, but often either. i'll re-watch them because i'm like trying to absorb it all mm. and this time i'm like keeping it low-key not getting my hopes up too much just steadily building excitement with the mandalorian being pretty good and like there's been a good star wars game out and stuff like mm. that there's just momentum and then someone lit a fucking match yesterday <laughs> And all of a sudden, we're talking about The Last Jedi again, and everyone's, I don't know, yeah. just things are out of control. I am. I, I hate fandom at the moment. <laughs> the world I, I am going to watch The Last movie again. I'm going to watch The Last Two, I think. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've watched that first one a billion times, sure. so I'm happy to not watch that again. But I'll watch the last one because someone posted on Twitter just like a quick little clip, the scene where, spoilers, fast forward, Um. when Kylo Ren like kills Slowpoke or whatever the fuck his name is. Slowpoke? <laughs> Snoke. Snoke, thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> How is Pokemon going, by the way? Yeah, quite well, thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah, so I was like, oh, that, that is a cool scene. So I'll rewatch it. Um, it'll be my third time watching it. Yep, cool. Okay, so, only the third time. Just a refresher. Yeah. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. When we're lining up, we're getting into our seats. Mm. I want to hear how you feel about third time round. Do you want me to say it loudly? Just so we can get into a uh, some sort of fist fight on our way. No, to no, the movie. no. I'm just fascinated by. It. I don't have any problem because we're with- going to be in a queue and there's going to be a lot of opinions <laughs> around us. So I want 
everyone to participate. Sure, I want to sure. be in a real life Twitter feed. You know what I mean? That'll be fun. <laughs> but no, I, well, I look forward to that conversation. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just fascinated to see how you come by it again. I'm mm. the more I think about, it, the more I I really like that movie. Um, but I understand. Like anyway, it's a whole thing. We'll talk about we it. We had the same discussion. We've like had this. Times. <laughs> I've had this multiple times online to the point where I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? I don't know why, why do I, I keep do doing this. Mm. I want out. I want out of fandom. Yeah. I want out of pop culture. I want out of the world. Oh, God, it's gone no, very no, dark. No. <laughs> I don't know. Up. I'm just hearing. It hasn't happened yet. The results aren't out. Things in the UK. It sounds like Tories got in again. I don't mm. understand the world anymore. I haven't. Yeah, we haven't understood it for a long time, I don't think. Do you know something that does make sense, though? What? The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 3. Mm, there you go. Great segue. Thanks. Let me clue you in. Season in review. It's the 60s, man. Midge is on tour, Susie has doubled her clientele, and Joel is trying to make it on his own. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 3 arrived exactly a year and one day after Season 2, retaining the dynamic writing and directing duo of Amy Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino, and adding a few new recurring cast members, including Sterling K. Brown, Stephanie Sue. Carrie Elwes and Leroy McLean as the one and only Shy Baldwin. Season 3 of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel consists of eight episodes, the same as Season 1, but two less than Season 2, each coming in at around 57 minutes and took us approximately 7 hours and 35 minutes to watch. In 2019, both Alex Borstein and Tony Shalhoub won Primetime Emmy Awards for Best Supporting Performance uh, as an actress and an actor in a comedy series. Uh, so, before we get to our spoiler-free review, Damascus, can you just remind the listeners what you thought of season one and two? I was a big old fan. I liked season one. I fucking loved season two. Um, yeah, some of the stuff that happened in season two, like in the middle of that season, I was just like, this is amazing. What a fun time. You mean um, the Catskills? Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a spoiler. I don't know. Is it a spoiler I, to say Catskills? I don't know how this thing works, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, it's just a machine that I exist within at this stage. Do you do you mean, again, fandom and pop culture or the podcast the in podcast, general? Oh, okay. The podcast. You're just a cog in the wall. <laughs> That's me. Okay, sure. Another brick in the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. I was a big old fan. I'm me too. Mm-hmm. Season one, two gave both seasons four and a half stars. I think mm. personally, I rewatched the first season a couple of times. I yeah. thought it was so damn good from start to finish, like a complete sentence. Is mm. why I like to talk about things. Like it was a whole thing. It was complete, and I really enjoyed that season two. I really loved as well, though, though for different reasons. And in a lot of ways, it just sort of upped the ante in terms of like the energy and the comedy. And we got a lot more with the side characters, particularly Midge's parents, mm-hmm. which I really, really enjoyed as well. Me too. Um, so I was very much anticipating season three. Waited up that whole year and one day, looking forward <laughs> to it. Yeah. Uh, now we've got it. Damas, could you please give your spoiler-free review on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season three? I can, but I'd love you to go first, Brad. Fair enough. All right. Throw it back my way. Oh, I love doing that. I thought this was like, you know, women first in this, you know. That's the equal opportunity. Ah, but also a women's choice. <laughs> and it. I choose Damn you. It. Damn it. <laughs> Beat me again. Uh, if you loved season one and two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, then there's a lot you're going to love about season three. A lot of the things that uh, make the show amazing are still there. Amazon is still throwing so much money at this mm, thing. Cha-ching. Long takes, huge sets, complicated camera movements, dozens of extra, extras in a scene at one time. Uh, performers like quite uh, 
big performers in terms of musical and dance and stuff mm. like that, complicated choreography, even in terms of just our blocking of our actors, costumes, license, music, things got this just is an expensive show and Amazon are sparing no expense. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that, that didn't st- like hold up though, there's some establishing shots of Vegas. Oh, yeah. Throughout, they, spoilers, they go to Vegas for a couple of episodes. Um, there's a couple of establishing shots of Vegas. I'm just like, this came out of like a, I don't know, PS2 cutscene or something like that. Just did not look great. Well, yeah, I think because it was just like, it looked like, you know, actual footage um, from the time. And so it was so grainy. And so then. No, no, no. no that, that stuff's fine. I oh. saw that and I did wonder about that too. It was interesting that they didn't recreate anything there. They just literally yeah. used footage of the it's time. It's odd going from like the, that grainy stuff to like this beautiful <laughs> looking shot of uh, Midge and Susie in the limo. Yeah. But then there'll be some establishing shots where it'll be oh, like, okay. there was one that was like, had a weird slight camera move. It was like down a street. You could see the headlights and some birds flying and it just looked remarkably CGI. Oh, I, I like, didn't even it notice. It did not look close to real. <laughs> okay. um, you know, this is a nitpick. Yeah. I just thought I'd bring it up. It was one of the times I was like, oh, that. Not enough money put into that one. <laughs> right. Try again, guys. Uh, it Just in general, from scene to scene, the show is so well directed. Mm. I know we've talked about this yeah. before, but it is like a play and it is beautiful to watch. Just mm. these usually two or three actors in a scene just working through a space, the way the camera follows them, the way it is framed. It is... I just really enjoy the process or the experience of watching mm. this show from moment to moment. I saw in a review recently, I think it was on AV Club, mm. um, just talking about how obviously this show gets a lot of props for its writing, particularly with like um, its like rhythm and just totally. like fast pace um, that we come to expect from the Palladinos. Yeah. Um, but that they both really should be kind of more so, I think, uh, celebrated for their direction. I, I, that's the way I feel mm. about it as well. I mean, in general, I think the the dialogue is good and mm. it's quippy and it's pacey and that your mileage may vary with that sort of stuff. But whatever it, the, the scene might be, whatever the dialogue might be, it is always elevated by mm. the way it's directed and shot and just yep. the performers in general. It is sensational. It's nothing else like it on TV and I love watching it. It's also a very silly show cartoonish at times, mm-hmm. um, has so much fun. I have fun watching it. There's one episode, season six, I think it is, that opens with an eight-minute cold open mm. that is just a sequence of events. It just it just races by and it is exhilarating. And finally, the title shows up and you're like, oh, I can breathe. That was so <laughs> much fun. It was just so much fun to watch. Mm. Alex Borstein, Susie is the highlight of the season for me. Mm-hmm. She's doing great work again. And Susie, I think, is a character, gets lots to do and, there's some great stuff for her here. Um, Marin Hinkle's Rose also was elevated a bit this season. I think she was a standout um, even more than Tony Shalhoub's Abe for me this season. I, I thought he was a standout last season. He got a lot to do. I thought Rose got a lot more this season. I enjoyed spending time with her. Uh, I generally enjoyed all the new characters this season, in fact. Um, Shy Baldwin, his manager, Reggie, mm-hmm. um, the inclusion of May as well, another character we'll talk about in spoilers. I thought they were all good inclusions. But I am starting to wonder what this show is about, where mm-hmm. it's going. I this, was waiting for that shoe to drop, yeah. <laughs> this might be the first season that I've gone, Joy, th- this was a bit unfocused. What's the drive? What's the arc? I wasn't really sure what this season was trying to get to. It brings up mm. a lot of ideas, ideas mm. about like diversity and privilege and... Uh, representation, and there's a lot a lot of stuff in here that, again, we'll get into in spoilers. And a lot of times it brings it up and then drops it just as quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like one thing to acknowledge 
something about the era that you set this show or the 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 what people in the show are going through. It's another thing to just let it down again. And I felt like that was happening a lot. I also kind of wonder if we're getting a little bit indulgent with our some of the choices that are being made of what to spend time on on screen. For instance, I definitely like love the musical performances and stuff in this. There are a lot of them. They are there, long. <laughs> there are some that go for two minutes and you're like, what, why, who, who, why are we here? What are we doing here? It's like, I'm not saying what I'm seeing isn't impressive, but I'm mm. kind of wondering what the point of the relevance of it is. Mm-hmm. There's one in particular from possibly my favorite episode of the season that I was watching it going, is it just me or is this still going? Like, what's what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And some of those little habits are starting to come into the show. And it's, it's making me question where is this all going? I worry about, we've seen a few shows like this when there's not an end line in sight. Mm. They can start to spin their wheels and just sort of like, do we really feel like we're progressing? Where are we going with this? You know, what's what? where are we headed? And that's where I'm feeling at this stage. Mm-hmm. I can't say that Maisel is ever going to be a bad show. But I think it may have reached a defining point in its trajectory. A fork in the road, if you may. It can either continue to rest on its entertaining entertainment value, which has plenty of merit. If you want to do that, go for it. And it'll keep us laughing for a while, but it might wear thin over time as the narrative loses momentum. Or it can choose to refocus, find a meaningful and challenging story that will leave a lasting impression and elevate this show to another level. This show could be... One of the greats. It's really that good on so many levels, especially technically. Mm. That, yeah, it's it's got two choices here. Either, I don't know, just continue to be fun and I'll enjoy watching that once every year. Mm. Or really become something special. I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. What about you, Damask? Um, yes, I think we've got some similar thoughts here. So... Like you said, this show still looks great. It features some incredible mid-century Vegas, Miami shots. It's fun and bright with plenty of choreographed dance numbers, beautifully detailed costumes and sets that sparkle. It is literally just like a feast for the eyes, which is just nice to watch. Um, But can the world's tone and rhythm and general brightness make room for big character developments? At this stage, I'm not sure. And this season, I think we see that that's not really in the cards for this show, or not just yet, at least. Midge isn't going to suddenly become woke because it doesn't make sense for the character or the world. She isn't going to be thrust into extreme hardship or learn a particularly nuanced and complex lesson. She's going to bump into other people, make a witty aside, and then flit off in her pretty dress. That's our selfish girl. Any change that does come will be minute and slow. For the majority of season three, the gang is split up and the show is the lesser for it. I think a season on the road could be pulled nice and tight to really have a look at Midge, her greatness, as well as her gaping flaws when rubbing up against people totally different to her. Unlike in previous seasons, when she only ever seems to hang out with people that are familiar to her, other than Susie, of course. We all love the side characters. Abe and Rose are wonderful and Joel has certainly proven himself to be an interesting character, but putting the focus on everyone equally weakens the show as a whole. The story of Midge on the road this year is somewhat unfocused, as you said, Brod, or perhaps without a mission statement. It's not so much how does the current circumstance affect and change our character, but more of a this happens and then this happens with no real change. 
Season three does end with a bit of a bang, one that indicates that perhaps all of that struggle and tension I was yearning for will be coming in season four. The final moments of the season speak to a flaw we have come to expect from the main character and one that she consistently refuses to work on. It's a fascinating character trait and one I would love to explore next season. I love the lighthearted nature of the show. I love its sense of fun. But this season, I was ready to see my girl in new places, experiencing new things and being changed by them. But, you know, maybe next year. It's interesting you mentioned hardship in there. Because mm. mm, I feel like we've been places where maybe we could have had more hardship and focused on the hardship mm-hmm. and where the story's at now without spoiling things. It's like maybe we're past that. We're onto a new level. I don't know. It just mm. sort of... I'm I not sure like it knows where get, it's going. Yeah, or- we get glimpses of a, a storyline that could exist and then the characters within it get saved somehow. Sure. It's consistent like, well, oh, there might be a problem, they're saved. There might be a problem, they're saved. Um, and so you get like little glimmers of tension, but it's so quickly resolved a lot of the time. So it's, you're not talking about a specific thing. You're talking about often this happens. Yeah. Throughout. Where like a problem shows up, you go, oh, this will be yeah. the thing they have to work through. A and catalyst then, for something. And, and then by the end of the episode, it's, it's over. over. Or it's very patly resolved. There yes. was one thing this season I was like, I was already questioning its worth or sort of like why it was introduced this season to become mm. a character's folly. It seemed a little bit shoehorned in. And that's resolved in such a neat and pat way. I was like, hmm. okay, do we need this at all then? If we're yeah. not even going to like follow through with this idea? Interesting. We'll talk more about this in spoilers. Can you give this a score out of five, please, Damask? Yeah, I still think it's a great show. It's, you know, just sense of fun in the writing. Great, still great pace that I enjoy. I know mm-hmm. some people may not, but I really enjoy it. Beautifully shot, just fun sets, gorgeous costumes, uh, great performances. So it's got to be a four still. I'm also giving it a four. I have seen that sentiment online. People do seem to be starting to like lose interest with what the show is or the the vibe of the show, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am the same as you. I personally just find it a joy to watch no matter what, mm-hmm. even when it's I'm finding it a little bit, you know, underwhelming in terms of its mm. thematic or dramatic potential. It's still a damn lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, I think, you know, I can finish an episode and be like, Uh, It didn't really give me what I wanted, but while I'm actually watching it within every scene, Mm -hmm. I'm having a little giggle or just enjoying spending time with those people and the way that they communicate with one another. Like, that is fun to me. Yeah, but I quite often would leave an episode and be like, "Uh, I mean, not quite. There were moments in season one and especially season two that I can remember where I was exhilarated as Mm. well, where I was like emotional for what was happening in that moment. Yeah. It was such a momentous feeling event. I, I felt everything the character was feeling and mm. that left a huge impression on me. Mm-hmm. This season, I can't think of a single time I felt that. I think I felt nervous for a character at one stage. Like I was really like, oh, how's this going to go? Yeah. But then very quickly that tension just dissolves. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it, I don't know. It never hit me that same way. Still a lot of fun. We enjoyed that episode the whole season. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah, this does make it the weakest season for me. And it sounds yeah. like for you as well. Agreed. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we would really appreciate you sharing this podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. And if you're feeling particularly charitable this holiday season, you might want to throw us a positive review on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. Even if it's just throw us five stars, leave a word if you'd like. That's always valuable too. But five-star review goes a long way for us. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on out, we will be discussing everything that happens in Season 1, 2, and 3 of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Let's start with our titular character. What do you think of Midge's journey this season, Damas? What journey? Um, <laughs> no, no, I kid. Look, I think we You end- should be a comedian. I should be. Um, oh, well, firstly, let's talk about her stand-up this season. Sure. Which is not great. Um, Did you think not great? Did you think it was bad? I thought it was pretty bad, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think what I enjoyed about particularly season one- I can't really remember season two stand-up. Anyway, but, like, it was this kind of fresh new perspective that Midge was offering for that era's audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And while she talks about sex and stuff, which is scandalous, she's not really speaking, you know, particularly well on all the shit around being a a divorced woman. Like, there's so much content there about, like, Jewish mothers and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I was like, mm, I don't know why that makes her the marvellous Mrs. Maisel, like that kind of comedy stuff. It's interesting because they, I think there's, I would, I would refute that for a couple of reasons. Number one, she does at least have one set that's deliberate, that's specifically about the contraceptive pill. Which I like. Which was very yeah. good, I, I thought. I like that one. It yeah. was a perfect example of how to use her perspective. Mm. And then two, she was deliberately being challenged to try and change up her shtick because while the Jewish housewife thing works great in New York, it, now she's yeah. in Florida, now she's in Harlem, wherever it might be, mm. she had to try and find a different angle. Yeah. So, yes, they moved away from what has made her successful in the past, what she's strongest at, but deliberately. Now, whether or not the stuff she came up with was good or not, that's a different story. But, but I think I it was think deliberately like to push she, her away from that. Yeah, she leaned into a shtick that was... Not, yeah, I don't know if it, she changed the shtick all that much. I mean, whether it was funny or not is a different question. And I, I think I can agree with you that I wasn't laughing. Yeah. I didn't find her sets all that amusing. I, I still think, enjoy watching her yeah. perform because I she's energetic. I think the more stuff about her as a divorced woman is kind of probably she could do that anywhere. Sure. The specific stuff about living in New York in the Upper West Side mm-hmm. with a very overbearing Jewish mother and going to Bergdorf's, like that stuff 
obviously needed to change. But it was still, yeah, a lot about like overbearing mums and that yeah, kind yeah. of thing was like still, yeah, it was the still same relevant. but less for me. Um, there, not to say there weren't some sets that were like, oh, okay, that was something different. Still didn't find it funny, but it was at least different. Did you, the big one is obviously her last set in front of the Harlem mm. crowd. Um, How do you find that one? That was interesting. Yes, very. <laughs> well, because this is the thing, like in this season, Midge doesn't really have a lot of growth. Like things happen, but she's- Stuff happens Stuff all happens, yeah. um, but there's not, I'm not really seeing an arc mm. there at all. Um, whereas like we, we have seen the floor previously where she gets on a mic and just is so selfish and unaware and it's, she's an asshole. She's like a fucking ignorant jerk. Like she just doesn't, she can get away with it. She can do whatever she wants because her life is quite fabulous and great and whatever. Yeah. And who's going to think, who's going to think about anyone else but Midge? I think the biggest problem that we have with Midge as a character is that she is, she doesn't push back enough, right? So they'll be like, yes, she'll be challenged with like, oh, that's set bombed because mm. you were talking about New York when we were in Las Vegas, yeah. right? And then what happens is the next set, she just fixes it. And it's yeah. like, oh, it's fixed. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being, where's the part of her that goes, no, hold on. This is, I've been good at. This was just a bad audience. Show her actually having to challenge herself. She yes. doesn't. She just gets better at it. Well, that thing is like, because she is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and she is so good mm-hmm. at everything, right? So that can be a great conflict. It's like conflict where someone is so great at everything, they don't have to stop and pause and yeah. reflect, right? Yeah. And so when she – and she sees herself as the marvellous Mrs. Maisel. As you know, she kind of should in a lot of ways. That's what her life has taught her. Mm-hmm. And so on the other side, when we have her, when she is so big-headed and doing these things where she gets up and she embarrasses the people around her and the people she loves and stuff and how damaging such a huge ego can be to the people around you, that's really cool. I'm – disappointed I guess that that comes at the very end of the season and we're probably only going to see the real consequences of that next season 100% because I think the balance of those two things is really interesting or like how they can't be balanced I guess um and so yeah the the set at the end I was like finally the real flaw the real midge is here the one that we can like kind of be like oh you're fucked up and that makes you interesting Mm -hmm. um it's a shame it's at the very end though but what a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but on what yeah, on what planet would you? It'll be interesting to see what the fallout is for Midge now that she's lost her contract to be on tour with Shy. Mm. It'll be interesting to see who she holds responsible. The fact that Susie wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that could be a big part, because Susie obviously recognizes immediately as soon as she as soon as she cottons onto what happened, just goes, oh fuck. Mm. Right. But also, I kind of feel like this could have happened this season. Didn't we, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't we finish season two with them kind of quite tense? Like, things weren't well, going great for both of them? Well, that's what we were looking forward to, right? So, this great kind of source of tension yeah. that was going to exist. And then we would, you know, at the end, have some sort of resolution come together. And, ooh, satisfying after, like, you know, maybe half the season, maybe most of the season Most of the season, even, I would yeah. think. Instead, two episodes... Midge gets a bit of a, a diva streak going for a couple of episodes, mm-hmm. saying she's annoyed about Sophie Lennon, and then she's just like cool with it. And she has she a conversation m- with Imogene, and she's like, "Oh, you're right." Yeah, mm. and then moves on. And this, I don't, I, th- I wonder, does the show just have a problem with Midge being too good all the time? Like, um, they can't let her be flawed for long enough, or mm. they don't 
acknowledge her flaws well enough because well, she is thing. flawed. She's so flawed. Um, and I think if, yeah, because we have her at the beginning of the season really being an asshole to Susie about the situation mm-hmm. um, and really, truly trying so hard not to see Susie's point of view and why it might be really fucking important for her to take this gig, yep. um, which is a very midge thing to do. And so because we don't get enough time to sit in it, we can't, as an audience, really look at those flaws and see a deeper, um, a, I'll get a de- deeper sense of the character mm. and how it affects those around her and for the character herself to reflect on like, oh, well, now I don't have Susie because I've told her to fuck off and now she's fucked off. Yeah. They fix her problems for her. Yes. And it's to the detriment of the show. I just look at like the setup we have here with Midge, this perfect New York Upper West Side housewife, ex-housewife, whatever you want to call it, just gorgeous, all the dresses in the world. And then you got Susie, rough as guts, you know, mm-hmm. comes from the other side of the city. And these two working together and, it, and challenging each other. And how we aren't somewhere further along the scale where those two are like, they good for each other, but they're also like... Mm. Well, that's the thing is like... There's tension. It's, it's just, It's I know, great to see moments of, of support between the two. Totally. But, like, but that has to be learnt. You know yes. what I mean? It's not a natural thing that they would be coming to. And so when you do have times in a relationship that is coming from two completely different places mm. and a perspective that you have never considered before on both sides, that like you've got to have the tension, you've got to have the bad shit so that when they do come together, they do learn. Learn is the key to support one another. It means more and it feels better for the audience. It's, I don't know, this season, maybe I look at it now and where we get to at the end of it and maybe the goal this season was not to reach any conclusions or have any of those big confrontations, but just to get us to a point where that can happen next season. I think so. But the problem is that's a bit disappointing because it's like, (laughs) because it means this season is lesser than. Yeah. And then I already felt like we were pretty close to having that at the end of last season. And I don't know. How long do you keep stretching that out for? Like, Mm -hmm. do they anticipate the next season's going to be the last? Are they going to all come to a head? Or Mm. is this like going to be... Was this a middle chapter? I don't know. It feels very confused. You know, we have... Because obviously I think they really wanted to keep Susie and Midge together, which mm. I understand because their chemistry is is great on screen. But I think even if you have, you know, Midge is an asshole and emotionally manipulates, manipulates Susie to say no to the gig. And just like the resentment that that would build throughout yeah. the season. So while we don't have a big blow up, we can feel the tension and it might, the big thing might happen in season four, but we at least can watch that relationship change mm. and see how it is changed by character choices. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think thought that was missing completely as well. What else happened to Midge this season? Nothing sticks very much. Oh, she got married again. <laughs> they divorced married. and got married. How'd you <laughs> feel about that moment? That. I believe I said to the screen, I don't give a shit about this, I think was my, yeah. I I, like their friendship and stuff, but like, I don't, what a stupid complication that, I think that's the thing is like, I'm like, well, this isn't probably going to be that much of a complication. They're going to get divorced again. It might come up in a few conversations, but I don't, I'm not sure I trust the show to make a real thing of it other than like, oops, that happened. Well, what is it doing except... He got them so far down the road to getting a divorce Mm -hmm. and then undid that instantly. Much like what happens to Midge all season, one challenge is encountered and then an episode later or within the same episode, they're past it. Mm -hmm. And like this is just like, well, she still needs to be the marvellous Mrs. Maisel. That's the Mm -hmm. title of the show, so better get them married again. And like keep them connected in that way because they they 
chickened out of them actually getting divorced. That's what happened in my mind. It's like they want to keep... Obviously, there's a chemistry there. I can see that. I'm happy Mm. with that. As much as I think Joel and her are not right for each other in the long run, they're better as friends, as you said. Mm. The... The, this artificial way of... They just don't want them to see them actually disconnected for long enough. Mm-hmm. They chickened out. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's... Yeah, it was a real shame. But I think what I found more interesting about Midge's journey, let's call it that, um, is the conversation with Benjamin. Well, yes. I found that interesting. Because it is what we were all thinking. It's like... This guy, very good looking, very supportive. Yeah. Um, could look after you and the kids and all that stuff. And like at no point showed that he wouldn't have been supportive. Yeah. That he would have had a problem in those things. And for him to one, I love the scene because he's walking around and talking about how tall people can't be angry, which is very funny <laughs> and beautifully performed. Um, but just yeah, like really kind of it's a shame that he's saying it to her and it's not so much of a reflection, but I guess Midge isn't good at that. But simply saying, you, like, I wasn't a part of the conversation. Yeah. You made all these decisions because you don't want the thing. It's It's got nothing, it really has nothing to do with him. He was perfect. And she got fucking scared and was like, oh, I don't want this. I don't want to be that again. And so she left. I I love Zach Levi. Zach yeah. Levi. I love him. I love Benjamin. I love... Loved that stuff last season. Mm. The inclusion of that conversation where it was in the season was a bit odd for me. I felt (laughs) like, oh, I was past this. Like, Mm. In fact, the idea that they just cut it off and that was it worked fine for me. It's something that Midge can come to as part of her journey. Mm. I didn't necessarily need the explicit conversation of Ben explaining exactly what we all knew he would be feeling anyway. What we Mm. all felt about how season... I thought it was just a little oddly placed. But I think uh, if we are to get any kind of character development. And that's not to say that we will, Mm. but a realisation from her of the level of selfishness, of self-sabotage, of assuming something to be true, when there's really no evidence that that is the case, I think she does need a character to explicitly tell her that. If it doesn't equal something happening later, then... It was a waste of time. Great to see Zachary Levi again, but mm. wasting my time. Um, but I was – well, that's the thing. I thought that scene would happen and it would speak to something else happening later on, either in that episode or this or the season. Sure. It, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so, I'm hoping it will. But I, I, I thought it was going to inform some sort of reflection. I understand that the way it happens in terms of Rose going to visit Ben twi- Benjamin twice mm. leads to then when Benjamin does confront Midge, Midge goes to Rose and has a has a mm. has it out with her, which yeah. is an interesting scene in itself. However, because the bit that I think lessens the impact of that scene of the Benjamin Midge scene is that Midge is just sitting in the diner and then Ben comes in and goes, "This is how I feel about everything," and then leaves and it's like Midge is not really like if Midge had gone to Benjamin for some reason mm. and bugged him and, and he's gone, this is fucking unfair that you're doing. If he legitimately was right about that Midge mm. had done it, it would have felt more real. She would have had to reflect on her actions. Yeah. But she was not complicit in this. What happened? He Rose did all of that. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting here going, what the fuck are you doing coming here doing this to me totally. now? Yeah. It doesn't feel as meaningful. How can Midge grow from that when she wasn't really part of the pro- mm-hmm. like 
she didn't catalyze that conversation in any way. It just yeah. happens to her this season. Mm. It's weird. It's yeah. just oddly placed. Yeah, she she obviously has traumatized the poor fellow, but she hasn't re-traumatized him to really spark that. Exactly reflection. right. Yeah. She actually did mm. the right thing there. She, At least yeah. she left him alone. Cold turkey, and like, mm. Totally yeah. right. Mm. Like there is something in that. Mm. And so for him to just show up and start to go, what the fuck did you is your mother doing? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. It's a misunderstanding. It's kind of it lessens, I think, the the, the lesson yeah. that might happen for. Yeah, I uh, mind the content of you know his his voicing exactly how her actions affected sure. him. But you're right the the way that we got there, and then also the way that they button that conversation with it. He goes back to you know don't tell like stop your mum from coming around again or whatever, and then leaves. Yeah. So the beginning and end of that conversation. Well, the middle I quite enjoyed. Yeah. No, you're right about that. But do you want to move on then into the conversation with sure. Rose and Rose's Go journey? I really liked the com- the the content of the conversation about how Rose was speaking to you know your dad blew up our life blew up our life yeah um, I was like yeah totally that was a realization of, that was a light bulb moment though I was like oh that hits me that well that's the well that's meaningful. the thing is that. Yeah, I was like, fucking oath. It made me go... However. Why? <laughs> I mean, I was aware of that all season. The fact that Abe has made this huge fucking decision um, and their life has changed and he is not doing anything to better the situation sure. at all. And that in no way plays a part in their dynamic between Rose and Abe. Well, the previous scene between the two of them... He's just found out he's going to be a... Cr- no, no, no. Theatre critic? No, I think the theatre critic might come a little bit after. Mm. He'd found out that people had read it, mm. had thrown tomatoes on it and started a fight in the street. He was changing the world. And he kisses her in a way that you feel she's feeling the passion of it. And the little... The, the, the camera ends on her before we cut to the next scene. And she looks completely into it. Like, she mm. looks like this was a massive, romantic, important moment for her. That she mm-hmm. felt that in a positive way, not in a, oh, I can't believe this is actually going to happen. He's never going to go back to teaching way, mm. which is the feeling that she gives Midge in that conversation. Well, the thing is, like, there is a palpable and I think justified anger about absolutely Abe's actions and his selfishness and his refusal to a- acknowledge, like, the dire situation that they're in. Mm-hmm. And as, like, a man of the era, really the only one who can make big changes to help. Although it's bizarre to me that Rose just doesn't go back to her family now, and be like, that, give me money. That's where I wanted to that's go. That's bizarre to me. The bit that doesn't make sense. As this, it's like, it's one thing to go there to try and like, she she wants to be on the board. Obviously, everything she's talking about there makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it is ridiculous that women have been frozen out of this family business and she is rightly outraged, mm-hmm. right? And doesn't want any part of it. However, when you start living with your daughters or your yeah, son-in-laws, what do you want to call them? The in-laws. In-laws, yeah. And they are as horrific as those two are. Mm-hmm. At what point do you go, okay, I'm sorry. I really need my yeah. that money again. Yeah. Because I, 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 we, Rose yeah. has a certain lifestyle that she is used to. She is struggling without it. Mm-hmm. She would just go and get the money. Yeah. I just don't believe for a second that. From what I know of Rose, that she could last this long without doing that. It, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't at all. Or to like, if 
if we truly see that she's like, no, my my dignity is more important to me, mm-hmm. that's fine. Then she need her and Abe need to have a really like frank discussion yes. and be like, well, you need to do something. Like, you need to do something. Like they then like why isn't there any conversation in this season about really either of their actions? We watch them sit and suffer yep. about it and mope and about it's it. It's quite and, fun to watch. And complain ask. about it. I think it's got diminishing returns personally. Sure. But I, it's like, because we see last season them playing with like, you know, expectations and desire, yep. and, but responsibility and all of that stuff. And it's fascinating. This is the next step of, well, we've done it. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Mm. And how does it affect our relationship, which people are fascinated by and love? Mm. That's like, it's such a missed opportunity. Instead, yeah. we just have gags of Moisha not wearing his fucking pants. Yeah. And I was like, well, come on. No, we, you're 100% right. The the audience is sufficiently hooked on Rose and Abe. Mm. You can do a lot with this now and people are going to care. Yeah. And so to just have that conversation be between Rose and Midge mm. is a massive waste of potential. You've yeah. like let the steam valve loose without, you know, you've had this pressure build up and then you just let it out. Mm-hmm. And you didn't do anything with it. You deflated the balloon. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. And just I just think it really makes it harder for me that I think the stuff with Rose and her money could have even worked if it had been a season-long thing. Maybe she did go back and every time she... The second time she goes back, they make it even worse. Mm. They like... They really, really completely dehumanise her or do something to make her go, It's the money's not even worth this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make me believe it. Yeah. But it's one episode. And then we've never known this history of Rose. We've never known her family. She's just out. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Don't like it. Uh, there was the other bit with Midge, just while we're there as well, mm. before we move on from Midge. Uh, Lenny Bruce. Mm-hmm. End of episode six. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's a scene early on with Lenny Bruce where Abe goes to see him perform and then <laughs> ends up in jail with him. Yeah. That I enjoyed. Me too. Uh, but he, she goes on a date with Lenny, essentially. Yeah. And there's been a lot of chemistry between the two. Oh, sizzling, all three sizzling stuff. Um, how did you find all of that? How did you find the way it played out, the way it resolved? I enjoyed it very much. Oh, so I th- much. And I thought it was perfect. They clearly really respect and care about each other, mm. um, both professionally and personally, which is nice. And their little cute adventure. Um, and I think it's interesting to see the difference between um, that night out and the night out with Joel. Sure. Which feels like they are like 16 again, like they're kids running around. Whereas Lenny and Midge feels like two adults who are very attracted to each yeah, other yeah, yeah. Um, and have quite a deep connection. The bit where they're dancing and... Ooh. When he- they're staring at each other. Even just the staring, oh. just the staring. Hobbita, hobbita. Oh my God. I felt uncomfortable watching. I'm like, I feel like I'm imposing right now <laughs> because these two want to fuck. Um, but the, but she, I think she says something that's like, I can't think of anything funny to say. And he's like, neither can I. Isn't, isn't that, that nice? nice? And then she rests her head on his shoulder. I've watched this scene more than once. And then he puts her hand on his neck. Mm. And it's just like, fucking what is this? <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's pretty good. I can't not mm. ship this right now. Yeah. This is incredible. Yeah, it makes oh. me giddy. And it also makes me really horny. It's just like the, <laughs> the perfect scene, you know? Perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, just what you want out of your television exactly. these days. Exactly. I want to be giddy and horny giddy at all times. Giddy and horny. Gorny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hitty. that sounds awful. <laughs> None of those sound good. Um, well, I'd be calling them mini. Uh, mini. No, no. Uh, 
Yeah, Minnie, as in Midge and Lenny together. Oh, I call them Ledge. Ledge? That's even better. Ledge is way better. Um, yeah, and then so they have this perfect, wonderful night of connecting with someone and like a story that you're going to tell for years about this amazing night you had. Um, and then they ended at the, the motel door mm. and perfectly she's just like, no, I'm going to go home. No, it was. Which is exactly how it should be. Yes. But, and I like that they punctuate it with, she's like, well, how did you feel about my act? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, you were, I can't remember the word he uses, but he's like mesmerizing or something like that or just incredible was the gist of it. <coughs> um, which speaks to the fact that he is her mentor. Yeah. He is someone that has really supported her and is there for her within an industry that is pretty fucking rough um, and lacking respect of, of women. Mm-hmm. And so for him, so she's saying like, you know, you are, your opinion professionally really means a lot to me. And so we kind of, we can't do that because then it's compromised. So then to walk away, I think is perfect. On a meta level, do you think they just choose not to go there because he's a real life figure? Absolutely. It reminds me a little bit, this is real tangent here, Mm. but one of my favorite scenes in the Harry Potter films. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) In in the the seventh movie, there's Mm -hmm. a scene with, uh, Harry and Hermione dancing in the tent mm. that I adore Me because too. it addresses a problem that only exists in the movies. You never really feel like Hermione and Harry are a thing, but in mm. the movies, they have way more chemistry than Ron and Hermione do. And so the movie goes there, acknowledges I that's true. I don't agree with that. I, I think that is 100% I think true. Ron and Hermione... Oof. Anyway. In the on. movies. Yeah, but that's just because I think Rupert Grint is very attractive. Oh, I'm not saying it's not there completely, mm. but I think... There are there is multiple moments where it seems like Harry and Hermione make a lot more sense. In the Actually, movie. that's true because in Prisoner of Azkaban, when they see like the the axe goes down, and then Hermione like yeah. hugs Harry and just like rubs his chest. Yeah. I'm like, girl. <laughs> she mm. also accidentally falls on him as they slide down underneath the. Uh, oh, that's right, Wamping Willow. Yeah, there was there are <laughs> there is more than one moment throughout that's the true. series that's this true. happens. Yeah, and it was always there, and people felt that I think, and so I mean, spoils for Harry Potter, palpable, <laughs> and so that scene's interesting because it it acknowledges that there is something there, chemistry, mm-hmm. and then backs away and says, it can't happen though. Yeah. And it's like, I love you for for acknowledging mm. something that only exists yeah. in the films and, and doing it wordlessly yeah. and, and suddenly saying why it can't happen. Yes. And being like, yes, it's there, but that's not what either of them really want. Yes. It's a complication they're yes. uninterested in. Yes. And they walk away. Yeah. And so this acts in a similar way. And ultimately, way. you see her heartbreak because she has a huge, she misses Ron. Exactly. Mm. And it works. It's literally one, of, it's a controversial scene. A lot of people hate that scene. I love that. I've I, watched it a million times. I love it. I think it is one of the best, most movie or cinematic moments in the series, too. Again, mm. way off topic here. But it like, <laughs> it was like, oh, this is a movie doing a movie thing here. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's very cool. And so this scene is similar in the sense that, like, they've always had something, right, Midge and Lenny, mm. and yet it's complicated because of the real-life implications of mm-hmm. putting those people together, those characters together on screen. And so to acknowledge it, to take it as far as you can, and then to back away and to give your reasoning for mm. it is so as heart bittersweet as it is, it's also fulfilling. And I don't need, like, if they if they come around to actually fucking later in, in the future, I'm probably going to be let down now. I think so. And I think yeah, the way the relationship is treated within the show speaks to how the show should treat Lenny. Yes. There's a great amount of love there and respect as Mitch has for him, but it can't be fucking explicit. Yep. It has to be respectful. Yes. 
Um, so I, I hope it continues in that vein. The When they're on their little date, they go to, I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially the Playboy Mansion or mm, the- It's like Miami Nights or something. Something like and it's that. it's fucking hilarious. And it's, have you seen the real life? No, I so haven't. So it's not, it, what, that is not a real scene, unlike mm. the one he did on the Late Show, whatever it was, in the last season. It's uh, it's like a take or a piss take on a version that he did in the Playboy. I did Manor, read somewhere about the Playboy thing, but you I can find seen that it. online. Okay. <clears throat> um, but to they have so much fun with that scene. It's mm. and it's once you see the reference stuff, you realize just how spot on it is when right. it's like lampooning of it. That's I love that scene as well. Mm. That was really fun just to see them. They've just got yeah, they're ridiculously good together. Uh, <laughs> was there anything else about Rose you wanted to talk about this season? I said I quite enjoyed what they were doing with her overall as much as I agree with you that the whole Mm. like losing the money thing was no good I just thought they gave her like when they go to visit Midge and the thing of her like not wanting to see her I like that stuff when she's getting completely off her face Mm -hmm. and like fighting with Susie at the table and saying all those fuck I was so I was laughing so much you see where Midge gets her her biting yes, humor. Um, definitely. No, I, I liked it. And I think I enjoyed how that would make Midge feel. Obviously, they've come all this way to say, obviously not to see her, but because they need to escape. But then she is excited for her mum to finally watch her show. Yeah. And her mum just can't do it. Mm-mm. She can't. She's un- totally unwilling um, to do it. And just getting blackout drunk. One, yes, I enjoy that character drunk i found it weird i guess abe is so in his own universe at the moment so it kind of makes sense but i found it weird that abe was just ignoring the fact that his wife was blackout drunk and standing up and singing and dancing um when he usually is so kind of yeah abe um, is lost a few people i have seen the criticism that abe is not the same character he was in season one and that is probably true, but he's also kind of had a big transformation over the last two seasons, I think. Like, I don't feel like we're that far away from where... I think I, I still feel like it's just an evolved or a new version of Abe. It's mm. not like it's incompatible with the first season. Yeah, I can see how it it tracks. I yeah. think what he... I have a real problem mm. with the fucking beatnik storyline of him and that socialist newspaper. Oh, that's awful. I find that so unfunny and yeah. ridiculous. Ridiculous! I'm like, it's so dumb. Everything yes. that comes out of every one of their mouths is dumb. Yes, that it's not funny. It's just, and this show has elements of absurdity, but it's just so on the fucking nose. Yeah, but I it's think a it, little ah, come on. It's you can a be little smart. Cringy. You can be a bit smarter about that. Um, I get what they're doing, and I can see why it would be funny. But I need it to be a little bit, a little bit more there. There. Yeah. I think. It, there's. I think it just goes on for too long for oh, me. Boy. Like, like yeah. they, they drag those characters through three or four mm. episodes. And it's also the gone. same joke every single time. It is. It's just yeah. that they're dumb. It's yeah. just that they're, they're, they're um, enthusiastic, but they don't have the skills to really. Well, their ideology is in no way matching up with their that actions. Yeah. That joke over and over. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I get it. I've, I understand. Um, yeah. And just the level of idiocy coming from them is ridiculous. And because. Abe's thing is that he do- doesn't suffer fools. Yeah. He gets angry so easily. So to sit there and hear those things come out of their mouth, I get that he's lost, but he's he's not an idiot. The point ultimately is like, is not that their ideology is wrong, but they are incompatible with it. They're approaching it for the mm. wrong reasons. And they're young. They're just like 
they don't necessarily have the skills to follow through with their enthusiasm, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea that Abe might be better skilled for that, that what he's doing with his, his writing, his piece that goes into the Times, etc., mm-hmm. is better. His friend, played by Jason Alexander, you know, they've really suffered because of their socialist or mm. beliefs in the past, um, labelled as he was labelled specifically as a communist and sort of mm. like blacklisted from um, yeah. Broadway and stuff like that. There is stuff there, yeah, but this absolutely. specific joke of just yeah. those them and just I, all living in the yeah. house together and being and like I understand like ugh. the commentary of like what they have in common is the fact they have the, this ideology, but totally unwilling to give up any of their yes. comforts. Yes, which is like okay, that makes sense to me. But yeah, it's so I understand that. I don't think it was well executed at all. I found the conversations with Jason Alexander's Much. character really interesting yeah. and a fascinating reflection on um, being a political person and following through your your actions, following through on your words and what mm-hmm. that actually looks like. And Abe, um, because of his family and thing, re- really couldn't do that all that much and mm-hmm. he has great regrets about that and that's why he wants to now do it because he is freer now. While he does have Rose, he doesn't have the kids. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see that journey but fucking hell, it was a rough way to get there. How do you feel about the giant newspaper as a gag? I found that quite funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that there's an episode. Because those we'll papers don't exist anymore because everyone's realised it's the most obnoxious thing the on a age, fucking train. The age was the last broadsheet in yeah. Melbourne at least and to, it's like gone in the last couple yeah, of years. Everyone's like, get the fuck <laughs> off my packed train with that shit, you asshole. Yeah. But that was like the next yeah, level. It was, it was so, so funny. I really, I was like, that was, that was an episode where I was like, this is a silly show. Yeah. It's silly. Uh, I don't mind a sight gag. I quite oh, enjoy one. No, I'm yeah. not saying like, that bad at all. I love the sight gag of um, Susie with her fancy suitcase opens it up and it's and just a brown paper bag. <laughs> Made me laugh. Even, uh, yeah, Susie learning to swim oh. is so silly. It's very silly. And so funny. Yeah. Though, like... Let me to the just jump in, and she's like, <laughs> just like I can't do it. Oh, and man. she just looks so cute in her little suspenders, and she's oh. so little. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. Which of you guys sw- uh, peed in the pool? And they all put their hand up. I was like, well, at least you're honest. And keep doggy paddling far out. She's amazing. Let's she's talk about good. Susie actually, because yes. for me, she really was the highlight of the season. Mm. Um, the Sophie Lennon stuff alone would be enough mm-hmm. with Susie. Um, Oh, what's that? Uh, Jane Lynch. Yeah. I love what she's doing with Sophie Lennon. She is such a privileged, completely talentless mm. pain in the ass. Jane Lynch is quite good at playing that character. Well, like Glee, a terrible show. Her character in that kind of had the same air of like, just, you know, above you all, kind of just going to insult you along the way. Like she's, she's fucking great at, at balancing. Like, like makes it so funny and punchy. I haven't watched enough Glee. There's mm. a certain like... For lack of a better word, masculinity to that role in mm-hmm. Glee, right? Which, uh, yeah, I get. I mean, I think it's just a physicality that Jane physical- Lynch has that becomes, um, which is funny because a lot of the sh- things I've seen her in, people then make her hypersexual in that kind of sure, presence, sure, sure, that larger than life presence that she has. That I, I think, yeah, you, you can probably call it masculine energy. Mm. Um, yeah, sorry, what were we going to say about? Well, it? Well, I just thought in this version, mm. it's not that far removed from that, but there is, because she is sort of a, a woman of finer taste, she's more refined, mm. she's, it's, it's the same energy, but it's through a different like filter. And yes. I really enjoy what Jane Lynch mm. is doing with that with Sophie Lennon. Yeah. It's- she's got like this kind of 
aristocratic yes. kind of power behind her, like this commanding presence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely, yeah, the conversation she has with Midge about needing to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't just be, if I'm going to do this for real, I need to have more clients than just you. Yeah. Um, as much as that resolves far too quickly on Midge's end, definitely on board with Susie with that. Mm. Just seeing her be good at this as well. Like her doing a good job of not just managing Sophie, but getting what she needs done, seeing her have those meetings at mm-hmm. the stage theatre, deli, whatever it is. Yeah. and Learning how to oh, talk to people yeah. and like connect with like what their need is so that it meets up with her need and like, yep. yeah, figuring all that stuff out. Who Because she was like this, you know, tough person, just like working, sleeping in a bar and just like having no friends and not knowing how to fucking talk to people. And she's now able to, she's still got like this brashness, obviously it's Susie, totally. but able to kind of use it as like, um, she's, you know, proving that she's got this moxie and people yeah. can respect him. Like, Oh, well, she's clearly a hard worker. And yeah, it, it really is nice to see Susie succeed. Um, it was, I enjoy her with Jane Lynch. I think oh, just cause so Jane Lynch much. is fucking ridiculous. And the scene in which, Jane Lynch um, needs a set and she needs to practice how to open oh a door. Oh, my God. And Susie just tells her, you know, practice on that door. And we just see her go in and out a bunch of times. Fuck, that made me laugh a lot. Absolutely. Very, very good. Um, yeah, no, it's good to see Susie progress. I think, like, I guess with a lot of what happened this season, I wanted more perhaps. Sure. Um See, but you can't move Susie along if you don't move everyone else and no one else is moving particularly yeah. far. And so, yeah, I think there's there's limitations there. I guess I think – I feel like Susie got a lot of the spotlight this season. She did. Because she got to move between Midge and between New York mm-hmm. back and Susie. Mind you, for someone who – like how is she paying for all those flights back and forth between <laughs> Vegas and New York? I can't imagine flights were cheaper than – Yeah. The, like how much uh, – The tipping was very funny though. Remember was, the face. Remember, remember the, the face. face. This is amazing. Remember the face. Um <laughs> Because the thing is that, like, she really needs a Sophie Lennon gig because she's really not making much at all yeah. off Midge. More than she's ever made before, but still. But, yeah, the constant flying, the constant tipping people um, was, was confusing for me. I'm like, she's going to run out of her money real quick, which she does, but for other reasons. You want to talk about the gambling thing? Well, in a second, I just wanted to finish mm. with the Sophie Lennon stuff. Just Alex Borstein in general, her performance. The When Sophie... Bombs on stage, Fucking which is hell. incredible to watch yeah. as well. Just her fall apart, and then as Once Susie again, puts Lynch it, it's just like well, yeah. it's just a cow, just you know, cowards out of this. Mm-hmm. But when she's taking her bows at the end, and then Susie gets side stage, and the look mm. that Alex on Alex Borstein's face is amazing. Just mm-hmm. the sadness and the disappointment and the fury that's all there mm-hmm. because she knows she could have done it. Yeah, and she did everything to get to this spot, and then she squandered it. It's all there. With before they even have their speech outside, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's all there in her face. Fuck, she's great. She is amazing. I've l- loved her all through this show, mm-hmm. and she continues to excel. Star the gambling stuff. The mm. gambling stuff. Um, it feels a little. Yeah, the problem with it for me was it's sort of it all happens this season. It doesn't feel like. Something we knew about Susie beforehand. She's learning how to even gamble this season. Mm. And then by the end of it, she's like lost all this money. And then conveniently, it's all fixed by burning the house down. I don't know. It just kind of like, why do we do this? <laughs> what was the point of that? It I was agree. To get to the scene with Joel where she makes Joel in- 
somehow involved in Midge's finances, well, which feels weird. Yeah, I think next season, because she says, oh, Midge will be covered by the insurance. So I'm sure there's going to be drama with like people coming after Susie for what she owes. Um, sure. But it felt like I could see what they were doing and it felt... It didn't feel organic. I felt them. I felt the writers building a problem. Yes, is what it felt like. Um, and it's like I have a. I understand Susie hasn't had money before, and she may not know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really interesting thing to look at. But this gambling storyline, I don't think, was the best way to do that. I think maybe you can have both where we really see that she doesn't know how much something is worth. So she's paying too much for things. Or, yes. And maybe that's what the tipping thing yes. was. Um, though I didn't get it at the time that maybe that's what was going on. And it's not really spoken about like, fuck, I've spent $500 today just on tipping, randomly tipping people, something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it wasn't satisfying to me. And then to be resolved so quickly, it was kind of like, oh. Well, let's say it's to get to the point where she is like that conversation with Joel seems like the could because it's resolved so easily Mm. because Midge never finds out she's a hundred percent oblivious to this. Right. So that never has any dramatic payoff Mm. that she is lost. I was expecting the, because Midge has just gone in to buy a house yes, and for Midge to find out that she's worked so hard and then for Susie to blow it all away. Can I say, because that experience is something that you hear about all the time of women of that era having managers or husbands or people yeah. that they trusted fucking ruining them. Like yeah. famously Judy Garland was just like ruined multiple times by people in her life that just fucking stole from her. So that would have like, that would be really interesting. I'm really like someone Susie who she really trusted. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Midge doesn't find out. So we don't get, the tension of the gambling storyline resolved in that way, which uh, which would have been devastating, but like yeah, satisfying. Um, in in narratively speaking, we'll just add it up to something. Yeah, um, you're like, oh, that's what we were doing. Yeah. Um, which you could kind of see, but just to see kind of another element of that relationship would have been good. But we don't get that. We yeah, we do have the scene with Joel, but then I'm like, I get what she's saying, and like yeah. A, Kind of makes sense, but it no, also it doesn't. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Just as Joel said, there are accountants and there are managers and there are people mm. who can do this that are better than me. And when she says it has to be you, Joel, because you love her and you would never let this happen to her, it's like, what about you? Yeah, you love what her about as well. You do too. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's, that, it does it not, doesn't make any sense because- It's forced. Yeah, sure. Accountants don't love her, but they- Get paid to do are this. Are professional and they- They're accountable. Yeah. That's the thing is like generally it, when you look at like the stories from the past of like those female entertainers who have been ruined by people, generally it's by managers or husbands that they trusted too much. Yeah. So, if it's just a random accountant looking after her money, just like letting it sit in a bank account. Yeah. That's not going to hurt anybody. No. Yeah. It was very silly. Yeah. did I found that very disappointing. Mm. To Yeah. The, it just- Again, I just feel like the gambling thing should have maybe been something that was there earlier on, so it felt like it was this ticking time bomb that just got to this point. Instead, mm. it's mainly a sight gag throughout most of the season until it's not a gag anymore. I really enjoyed the gag of like when they first go to Las Vegas and Midge and Susie are enjoying their time in a casino but don't understand anything. Because that has been my personal experience in a casino. I was like walking around being like, well, what are the rules? What am I meant to be doing? 
What's that? What's like specifically the line that should have been something. That should have been that should have been something. Then, was I mean, hilarious. I last maybe an hour in a casino. I'm like, I'm so fucking bored. <laughs> I don't understand what any of this is. I'm not winning any money, and I don't find gambling fun because I am risk averse. I fucking hate it. I'm not interested. It's too stressful. I have a theory. I remember I turned 18. I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm 18. I can go the pokies, right? Mm-hmm. The slot machines, if people know what pokies are. I don't know what the international thing is, right? Yeah. Went into a, a pub that had pokies, mm. put $2 in, lost it within two minutes. Like, it was just gone. I was like, what the fuck is the point of this? <laughs> just like, it's put me off gambling and particularly yeah. um, slot machines completely. I have a theory it's because maybe this is a little uh, reductive, but I wonder if people of a certain generation... They didn't have video games? Yes, exactly it, right? It's like, it's all bells and lights and whistles and it makes you like feel excitement, but I've come to know Mm. that experience is me having skill and actually being able to impart Mm. my skill on the game. And so I just have to push a button or pull a lever and like, it doesn't do what I want it to. It's like, well, I don't like this. (laughs) Or like, and I think now like kind of boomers are less likely, I guess, go to poker machines because they have phones and, like, Candy Crush. So, it's the same thing, yeah. but they're, they're not spending... Well, they you know, can still spend on Candy Crush. Oh, can you? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. You can buy, like, uh, items and stuff that oh, make the game cheating. easier and things. Um, <laughs> that's the, the, Those games are designed to make you spend money like that, though. Yeah. They're free to play so that they, they specifically reach a level of difficulty where mm. it's like, oh, if you just had that hammer, that would... It gets through the net and it like you'll break you through, then you'll get like ten easy levels and it'll yeah. go here. I mean, I again. play a game similar, which is called Gardenscapes, because I am a fifty nine year old woman. <laughs> okay, um, boomer. Yeah, but I don't I don't believe in spending money on it. One, because I don't have money and two because I believe that's cheating. But yeah. I like that. The idea that it's cheating. I think it's yeah. Spot on. Uh we did touch on Joel briefly. Joel, as was set up last season, is building his club, his bar, whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um and we meet May. We do meet May. Uh, who's Joel's new love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bar is in Chinatown. She's a woman of Chinese heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, what did you think of May and her inclusion? I liked the line, when, just which reminded me when you said Chinese heritage, when Joel goes, oh, were you born here? And she's like, no, I was born in a different restaurant, which made me laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, Joel line. has a type. He does. Women who are super quippy. Yeah. And mean to <laughs> have him. Have a line mean to him. Have a line for everything. Yeah. Um, women that are too good for him. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I like her. Yes. I do. Mm-hmm. I think she's a cool addition. There was a point at the end when Joel is an asshole and she fucks off, rightly so. She's like, yeah. You're you're a little a man baby. I'm going. Oh, Joel. Joel. He's having a little whinge about. How dare you help me when I was totally lost and I couldn't help myself. If Fuck you're off. gonna be into strong, independent, self reliant women, mm-hmm. stop being pissy when they're actually helpful. For when you. they're competent and yeah, and can like, do something that can you can't do. Do so- exactly. Yeah. Um, Fuck, I dislike Joel. <laughs> I mean, they they're doing a good job to make him charming and like enjoyable to be around, but. Mm. Mm. But yeah, there was a point where he was giving this speech to the room of gamblers and he's like, you know, someone send a message to May, blah, blah, blah. She's like, and he was like, oh, actually, I don't know that much about her. I'm like, yeah, me either. <laughs> I was like, I enjoy like her quippiness. I enjoy that she comes in and like is obviously a fixer, which is cool. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a deli- there's a which deliberate nature to her being a little mysterious. Well, though. he says that. He's like, oh, well, she's really mysterious. I'm like. That's cool. I would also like to know who she is yeah, at yeah. some point. Like, I hope we get there eventually. Um, I know she wants to be a doctor, but that's about it, really. 
Uh, yeah, no, I think they, well, if they if they are going to progress with May as a serious love interest, we need to get to know May beyond mm. the woman who comes in, comes out and fixes things and then is, just has a chemistry with him. Like, yeah. that's not enough. No, it's not. Uh, was there anything else about Joel this season? That was kind of it. It was just, oh, he's, he's, he's a good dad, I guess. He is a good dad. <laughs> it's funny. He... The, the thing I think about the parenting in this show, right? And I know I've done talked about the parenting and yeah, the lack of inclusion again. on the kids in this, right? Mm. But for all the talk of Joel being a good parent and stuff... All we ever see them do is be at home with the kids in the background just running amok. Well, that's the thing. Is like Take him to the fucking zoo or something. She, just show yourself yeah. to do anything with your say, kids. She does say, you know, oh, I just want to thank Joel for being a great dad. I'm like, um, I think you need to thank his parents for being yeah. a good dad. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. The grandparents are raising those children. He's always at the fucking club or at the clothing warehouse or whatever. Is he really spending a lot of time with those kids? I don't think he is. There's a joke that Midge makes... Uh, it's a bit. It's a, it's a missing her kids joke that misfires, and she's mm. like, "Oh, okay. Apparently, that's not funny." And I thought that was a bit of a, like a secondary meta commentary on like mm. the fact that probably people like make it going, "Stop talking about your kids like you care about them." You obviously <laughs> don't, which is not fair on me. Like they, they, she does have that one discussion with the um, bass guitarist mm. about like being on the Carol. road away from her kids and stuff like that. Again, brought up an issue. and then just dropped again. Doesn't really. She she has this one yeah. scene with this woman, and then like. This could have been a thing all season. Mm. This could have been interesting, you know, and a fellow performer. Well, I, yeah, on the road. I thought it was going to be a thing about. Well, yes, Midge is, you know, after these career aspirations, she's no longer a housewife. That's it. But is Midge ever going to really be a single woman? Yeah, is she going to be a single woman? And I thought they were like going towards that. Like, what is the life of a single woman? Here's your friend Carol, some sort of perhaps single woman mentor, mm-hmm. if you will. Like, let me show you the ropes type of thing. Goes absolutely nowhere. Well, all it ends up being is a setup for will they or won't they with Lenny, which is then resolved at the end of the same episode and doesn't go any further than that. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's what's there for, ultimately. Yeah. What a waste of mm. potential. She's on the road. She's separated from Joel. Mm-hmm. She had that one last fling with mm. him, supposedly, at the end of last season. It's, yeah. I, they keep backing away from their yeah. own, like, lines of the sand. I did find it a little strange that the one person Midge other than Shy really has a conversation with from Shy's band is a white woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just not going to talk to any other black people while so, we're touring with Shy Baldwin's band. This is a very interesting aspect of this season, particularly because there's been criticism of how white The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel has been for two seasons. Yes. There is a deliberate effort, obviously, to have more diversity this season mm-hmm. with the inclusion of May and obviously the inclusion of Shy and Reggie. Mm-hmm. And in general, there are just more black background characters and side characters and stuff like that mm-hmm. this season. However, do we feel like it is anything more than token? Do we feel like anything is specifically... Like, the end goes halfway to having mm-hmm. a comment about um, Midge's white privilege yeah. and... With Wanda Sykes as Mama yeah. Mabel. Mama it? Mabel, I believe, is mom, Mom's Mabel, I think it is. Right. Uh, Sorry, that's ignorance, but we didn't have her in Australia. I've, I'd never heard of her before. I had to look her up as well. Yeah. Um, and it was like one of those moments where I'm watching it happen. I'm going, I bet this is a real life comic. I mean, I was, I'm not all that. I wasn't familiar with Lenny Bruce before. No, I had no watching idea this who as well. Was. So I'm just going to um, clean ignorance to that era of comics to be Mums Mabley. Mums Mabley. Yeah. Um, Moms Mabley. Though I say Mums, I guess. Moms. Moms. Uh, they go some way 
to discussing that. Mm. Um, but that's about it. About her unearned position. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and it all, but the thing is, again, even that comes at more from a, uh, like the manager for mums is sort of like hostile towards her. Mm-hmm. And then she has a conversation with Reggie where like, Reggie's, yeah, they're going to eat you up if you try and do your Jewish your housewife shtick. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately, that's really what that is about is mm-hmm. like, will Midge be able to adapt to this audience? And she not, does. <laughs> and she does. There is consequence to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's backs away from saying or anything about Midge. Mm. It does not dare criticize Midge yes. or show her lack of awareness of her position in mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. It, just, it just does not do it. Yeah, it yeah, it critiques her circumstance but not her role within that society the way that that has played out the yes. fact like oh you know she is a white woman and therefore um is going to have a tough time with that crowd she's been given that position because of privilege it doesn't critique the fact that she doesn't fucking know that yeah that she has spent That's what a year traveling with a group of black people and has learned nothing yeah has like not involved herself in their lives at all, has had no conversations with them. Well, she does have conversations. She butts her way into shy already talking with other people and sort of makes herself the center of attention with yeah. him and stuff like that. I saw yeah. an interesting article. Let me pull it up. Uh, an interesting article by Alan Seppenwall, who's a TV critic I quite admire. He did a review oh, for, yeah, the, for, a the, bunch of his stuff. for the Rolling Stone. Mm. Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, season three, Midge hits the road, the show hits some roadblocks. And it honestly, his opinion is pretty close to ours. Mm. But he talks about like some of the problems with like the half steps that this show goes yeah. towards, including more diversity, but not really discussing Midge's place in that, not mm. criticizing Midge. Things just bounce off her. Mm-hmm. Um the the best thing that happens. And can I just say I don't want a very special episode or no. that feeling of the very special, like oh, Midge learns a lesson, but to really let her live in the world, even this fantasy version of that world. But to like, you know, when Shy says to her, "Oh, we don't in Florida, we don't stay in your hotel." They have been there for a very long time. Why doesn't she know that? The people she's touring with aren't in the same fucking hotel. And so that moment, that's that's probably a good example of where the show kind of does a good job because mm. it does acknowledge that Mitch does not know. But doesn't even register on her face. <laughs> it kinda does. She has a moment of like, oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but there's no introspect. There's no yeah. real criticism. The show does not look at Midge and go, you get done fucked yeah. up here. Like she's yeah, it's like that moment she goes, huh, that's a fun fact to know. Yeah. But beyond that there's nothing. It's it's just not Again, Midge just seems beyond criticism too much of the time. Mm-hmm. I just wish the show was willing to look at this character who is flawed, who comes from a place of privilege and go and make sure that she or at least someone around her is commenting and saying, damn white girl, you do not understand or you don't, you are not following along with what's mm. happening here. You are living in a different world yeah. to us. I don't find you fucking cute. Yeah, I exactly. I don't find this cute at yes, all. Yes, 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 yes. I wonder if that's what's happening at the end of this season too. So... The end being uh, Reggie comes down off the plane and mm. says, you're not going on tour with Shiny Moore. Shy does not want you on there, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a different version of what we're talking about. It's not about her being out of touch with his um, black heritage, African-American heritage, sorry. it's Or to, the community at all. The community like, yeah. in general. It is more to do with the implicit 
she was implying about his him being gay. Yeah. Right? And that while that may have been the safe crowd to do it, she should not have been doing that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a vulnerability he shared with her that she took advantage of. Totally. Now, there's a lot to discuss about how that went down, what she was told by Reggie, et cetera, et cetera. There was a lot of, like, miscrossed wires there, I think. Mm-hmm. Dumb move on Midge's part, I still think. Absolutely. However... It does play, it might be the first time the show has actually gone, here's a consequence for you not paying attention mm. or or um, not explicitly considering another person's situation before you said something mm-hmm. on stage. Yes, you've had your dad get angry at you because you made a penis joke or whatever it was in mm. season two, but that's one thing. Yeah. It's another thing to, because he, he, you're on the same level as him. You've come into this situation, mm. you've been invited in, and then you've abused your privilege yeah. for your own gain. And that could be a really good season four if they choose to follow through with that. Mm. I don't believe the show is necessarily going to, though. Yeah, I worry, like, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just thinking because of the cross-wired nature of Midge's actions, yes. not quite understanding, um, and then her crying on Susie's shoulder at the end, that it has kind of this feeling of unfairness yes. about it. Yes. And I don't think it's unfair. <laughs> no. Well, I think it's really well played actually between Susie and Reggie. When Susie goes over yeah, and says, that, don't do this, yeah. and Reggie's like, I got to just protect my boy here and you're going to be in the same situation one day. A, it sets up a great place for Susie to go mm-hmm. in a future season. Because it speaks to the conversation they had earlier about that, about sometimes you're going to have to do things that you don't love doing, yes. but you got to protect your people. Totally. Yeah. Um, also, Liam, who was watching the show with me, brought this up, and I think he might be right here. Mm. He thinks that Shy was not the one to pull him off the tour. Reggie made the decision, but is um, because we never see Shy react in any way. Mm. In fact, when the curtain comes up, he does not seem phased whatsoever. Now, he is a consummate performer. He may just be in the moment doing his job. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that we don't see any indication in the moment or after that he has any problem with Midge. Instead, we just see Reggie, who we know is willing to protect his... Who's looked no, at the situation. I do think it was shy. You think it was shy? Yeah. I, I mean, it's totally valid if it was, mm. but I wonder whether the show is trying to set up that Reggie did this and not shy. And Reggie is... He's just... He has to be the guy that mm. says... You can't. Yeah, have this I, woman I can see like how that could be the case. Yeah. I prefer that it's shy because we do know he's uh, has an anger thing and True. quite tumultuous, True. Um, and can just dismiss people like that. So we have seen that, and I like the fact that he would just cut her out because he hasn't told anyone else other than like Reggie yeah. about that. Yeah, and so for that to happen, he'd be like, "Fuck off," and because he knows Reggie takes care of everything. Why would he have a conversation with Midge about that? How did you think, in general, um, the storyline of Shy being a gay man was handled? Do you was its inclusion noteworthy? It almost seems like being more of a plot point um, mm. to get us to this point at the end, rather than we didn't even get to really, we yeah. get that one episode and specifically that one scene, which does speak to yeah the I, era. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I think you could have had it. And maybe the writers didn't feel comfortable writing about that because they are not people of colour. But I think you could have had the Apollo scene. Then get and get writers in to write some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I if. agree. But, like, the scene could have been Midge not understanding because she has been so willfully ignorant of not getting to know the people around her on tour, getting up on the Apollo and just fucking not reading the room and insulting Shy's community. Mm. And then him being like, sorry, you're out. Like... 
because she she's just been in her own fucking world. Yeah. Like, I don't think you needed him to be gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a problem with that storyline. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, they talk about like this kind of diversity thing and people that are different to Midge a lot. Um, but I don't think they ever really say anything about it. Like, so we have Midge when she's doing the radio shows and she stands up for whatever. Yeah. Um, and yet she has no idea about the experience of the black people around her, is completely ignorant to what in the fucking early 1960s, implying that a black man is queer and yeah. back when queer was a fucking terrible thing, she's seen him beaten up. Yes. Like, I'm so confused about what she thinks about those things. Yes. What she really, th- what her ideologies are, what she, what she believes in. It doesn't in. even necessarily need to be an explicit ideology. It can just be. How does she feel about any of it? I how, don't know. How does she feel about any of it? I'm surprised. I, I just wish, yeah, again, they seem to make her in, too perfect at all times. Mm-hmm. She never, she very rarely puts a foot wrong when it comes to that stuff. She only ever seems to put a foot wrong when it comes to her parents mm. or people in her uh, her in the same social mm. circle as and her. And even though it's like, whoopsie, sorry, I was trying to be great. Yes. Whoopsie, I was being too great and it embarrassed you. Whoopsie. Like, it's- well, there's dramatic potential there, but it's, yeah, it's but- yet to find the consequences there. Again, because apparently I want to go off topic today. I'm just thinking of a movie that did some of this stuff that you're talking about in a really interesting way. Mm. <laughs> You've seen Zootopia? Yeah, I have. Do you know what I like about that? Mm. Is that... Uh, is it Jenny Hops, whatever her name is, the main character? Mm. We're on board with her the whole time. And it's not until late in the movie that you find out that she has this like inbuilt prejudice mm. that that she's not even aware of necessarily or has not ever had to address or look at until uh, until you know a point in the movie where that happens. Mm. That's a thing you could totally have with Midge. Just uh, something she does out of complete ignorance because of where she's in the world that has a lasting effect on her and the and the people that she's working with mm. or 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 the diverse communities around her yeah. and just show that she can make a fucking mistake like if she got up with Apollo and insulted, and insulted a room full of black people right? yeah there's yeah i don't know there's wasted potential there meanwhile we go to Joel and Joel is has his bar above this like uh, illegal gambling den um run by and full of chinese people there in Chinatown mm-hmm. And there is this, like, that, again, you're including diversity here, but May is the only person that Joel can actually communicate with explicitly. Mm -hmm. The only person we understand has to speak English. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just because you include them and then do a bunch of jokes how nobody can communicate, is that effective inclusion of diversity? Or is that really just playing? because the whole joke is, like, they're literally aliens. Yeah. They seem like Joel has gone to another planet Mm. and they are doing these crazy things and they eat feet. Lol. Um, Mm. It's just, I don't, it's, no, it's not inclusive. He Mm. has dropped in to their community Mm -hmm. and he has no awareness of what that community is. He's got no idea what's going on. We only see them as like this group of like smoking, bustling, loud noise of a foreign language as he drops in, says whatever the fuck he wants to say and then pops out again. Yeah. There is the There's scene- not a sense of Chinatown there or that people live there. Yeah. There is that scene where he goes into the Chinese restaurant 
somewhere in the area mm. and May's there and then these two older people who presumably I think run the Yeah, they the seem to be den. what's going on downstairs. And yeah. like they keep just like pushing the money at him. Mm. Um which was quite funny. However, that was an opportunity to have us hear from or uh get some sense of what those people are thinking or saying, mm. but it's put through the filter of May the whole time. So all you need to do was have some subtitles. Like they don't have to speak English. They can speak, you know, in their native tongue mm. and like have them some subtitles so that we just get a sense that they're people who Yeah. Well one thing I did enjoy about that scene is when um the older woman pushes the money and May's like, oh, that was a joke. They're actually really funny people. Yes. Which played on like this idea of like, you know, Asian people, or particularly older Asian people and older women just having no sense of humour sure. and just kind of being like down the line and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, that played on my expectations of what that character would be, that she was, you know, she was having fun mm. with him, which I liked. Um, I would have liked more of that. More of like, well, this is the expectation of what you would see of, you know, Chinese people, of Asian immigrants mm-hmm. in America. These are the expectations that I have been taught to have, particularly in film and television, about those stories. Let's subvert them. Let's say something else about the community. Yeah. Oh, God, none of that. None of it. It's like I don't want to discourage the fact that there was more diversity and inclusion of people of colour in the show this season. No, we're asking for better diversity. But I definitely think they could have used what they had to way better effect, particularly because they, like, come close Mm -hmm. to, to like, having some sort of discussion or have something to say Mm -hmm. and then seem to back away from it very quickly. Which is, I think, kind of insulting for them to acknowledge that they're aware of it. Yeah. And touch it and then be like... But no, it's like, whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) And this happens, I think, in a number of different ways this Mm. season. Just to sort of round this off before we get into our final thoughts. Um, We have a discussion in episode one or two about the angle of comedy as free speech and how that should interest Abe because of his forgotten values. Mm. Um, The idea um, that good discussion... There's a good discussion, sorry, about civil disobedience and censorship that could have been great to talk about more this season, particularly, you know, with women and people of colour involved in the arts and in comedy. Mm -hmm. There's talk of McCarthyism, um, the responsibility of having a voice. You were Mm. talking about that one scene about Midge getting the job where essentially she's doing like a Trump campaign ad and then realises that she's reading it that this is awful and and backs away from it. These are all great ideas, that are thrown in the air and drop just as quickly. And it's like, include that stuff and do it for realsies. Mm-hmm. Don't. Or don't include it. Or don't include it. Like, yeah. a, like representation or acknowledgement is probably not just enough. Not now. Not Fuck now. no. No, 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 no. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, just a couple, mm-hmm. not not many at all, actually. Um, Abe in episode one, the line, look at me, I'm wearing two sweaters, as an example of the man he's become, maybe totally. Mark, quite a lot. Um, I think, yeah, it was Midge when she's like, I'm panicking, but depressed, a nice slow panic, which I enjoyed, um, related to. Uh, oh, the other side note was, yeah, the fact that the only person in the band she hangs out with is a white woman. Yeah. Although based on a real bassist. Oh, really? Uh, Carol Kay, and she's been on like a billion, a billion records and stuff. Right. Like she's like a session player and it's just, what does it say? Like, oh, here, yeah, an estimated 10,000 recordings in her Whoa. career. <laughs> so, 
Um, so that's kind of where the character design comes. I don't know if it's because the character is called Carol, oh. but I don't know if she's inspired by or the actual character. Who knows? Um, and then, yeah, when Joel says about May, I don't know anything about her. I was like, me too. <laughs> what about you? Um, something I mentioned in the in the review was that eight-minute opening of them, uh, Midge and Susie going between all the different like radio recording things. Mm. I just loved, I just really enjoyed the way that whole bit was put together. Just yeah. there's amazing energy. There's one shot, I think, from above as they're walking through a hallway that's just... It's just beautifully put together. And again, mm. eight minutes go by and then finally we hit that, that title. It's like, God, that was that was fun. I'm full just off that scene alone. <laughs> and it's amazing. That's where the show can be really great. It mm. just it puts its set pieces together and it's so funny mm. and full of energy. That reminds me of another opening, the synchronized swimming one. Yes. If that's not a perfect example of who Midge is, these people are doing this amazing synchronized swimming thing. She wakes up, not really paying attention, she's going to fuck and just kicks a beach ball and destroys the whole thing. <laughs> Like classic Midge. Mm. <laughs> uh, that should have been something. I just wanted to bring that up again because that was so funny. One of my favorite lines all season. And they, they kept coming back to it and it kept working. Um, I love Astrid. They didn't do a lot of mm-hmm. Astrid this season. Me too. But She's I great. find her so enjoyable. <laughs> um, when, oh, yeah. Obviously, the ongoing bit, anytime that Midge can't get the mic off the stand, it means she's going to struggle. I enjoy, there's this like continuity in that mm. setup. And the same thing, you put a mic in a scene on a stage, Midge's Midge going to get up there. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter where you are, it's just going to happen. Uh, pardon me, we already did talk about Jason Alexander briefly, but I thought, I haven't seen him in much recently. Mm. And I thought he was great. He was great. This season. Really good. On awesome inclusion. Um, and I found his character for the brief moments he was in there. Quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the biggest whiff all season. There was some funny, silly gags. The one joke that I thought for the first time, like, oh, that one missed, was Mrs. Maskowitz when the night that the club is opening, she's got the bat. Nice. Me too. And I was like, that might be the first time something's been too cartoonish for me. For some mm. reason, I'm on board with Susie swimming. Because I'm you on just board with the giant past newspaper. the old woman in a, with a bat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if she had done, like, same thing, but pointed to two bodyguards yes. to the left, that would have worked. Just this idea like, of, like... her asserting her power, I can see how that was funny for <laughs> the little old lady. But her with a baseball bat... Yeah. That's not going to do anything. It, just something about, like, I can see the idea there. I can see what you're, you're going for. I was like, ah, just didn't. That was one was a whiff. That clunky. one. Clunky. Clunky. Mm. Didn't mm. work. Um, I thought, actually, uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, in the two episodes it's, it was there, did a better job with Vegas than Glow did in a whole season. Yeah, agreed. I thought it would just did a better job of, like, mm. the feeling of being there, the time spent in the casino. Mm. There was something I just like that was more successful than what Glow's been a whole season there. Mm. I was frustrated by it. So interesting, both shows, their season three has been meandering. It again, I just think it speaks to I was thinking about this on the way here. You get to a point where you go, Well, we know where we want to end up, but we can't go there yet. So we just gotta like spin our wheels until yep. we get the the someone, you know, twirling their fingers saying, Time to wrap up, guys, mm-hmm. and then you reach your ending. Endings are important. Mm-hmm. I really worry about shows that just get given a long leash to go for seasons and seasons. And they matter. I, endings, it starts but to like, make me think that this show needs to be told. I You've got two seasons well, left. Structure to is it. important. Yes. And pacing is important. And so you need to have a plan. Yeah. yeah. It's great to have an ending, but you really need to have a clear idea of how you're going to get there. Otherwise, yeah, you do have like shows with these like, you know, two to three seasons in the middle of their run yeah. that are just like 
not as high quality as they really should be. Yeah. Mm. Um, it properly annoys me that Midge can work for one year and have earned enough money to put a deposit on that apartment in New York. <laughs> that is depressing. Yeah. Because if that is a realistic interpretation of how much it costs or how hard you have to work to get that apartment in New York, boy, things have gone down <laughs> real, mm. real now, quick No, I'm not us. sure that was a 10% deposit she's putting down <laughs> to her ex-father-in-law. True. I think it might have just been just a random sum of money that she's giving him. Fair. Uh, least favourite episode, Damask. I'm going to go with episode seven. Yes. I found, so it's the second last episode. Um, it's the one where obviously Sophie Lennon has her gig. Oh my goodness. This and, is the least favorite episode. Okay. Well, I loved the bit where she's fucking herself, um, fucking up her, <laughs> her dream and yeah. Susie's watching. I really enjoyed that stuff. Um. The radio stuff I didn't actually like. Oh, really? No, I'm like, what are we, what are we doing here? Oh, in terms of like, it's a great representation of this show, just like spinning it, its wheels. It was a filler episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the second last episode, so I was sure. like, what are we doing? Um, it felt like just a pause right at the end that I felt so unnecessary. Sure. So it's at that point I was going a little, well, quite restless and a bit tired of what the show was doing. What about you? Episode two, it's the 60s, man. The bit mm. stuff with Abe is starting to wear thin Ugh, on me. And tell his, me about it. Uh, even the stuff with like Midge and Susie, as much as I said that like that needed to last over the season, the way it was implemented in that one episode just was kind of grating on me. It's just Midge is a bit of a diva for a bit until she's not. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not a thing. That's not, yeah. that's not enough. Mm-hmm. I just found that very underwhelming episode. Uh, what about your favourite episode? Yeah, I struggle with this one. I, I was tossing up the last episode because we finally got somewhere. That sure. was certainly high on the list. I think I'm- I went back and forth on the episode. Actually, as I was watching the episode going, mm. oh, this is not good. Oh, this is good. This is not good. This is good. Mm. I also love the Lenny Bruce one as well. Mm. Um, but I'm actually going to go because I think I had a, at this point, the episode I'm about to tell you about, a bit more hope as to what the season might offer. Sure. Um, so I'm gonna, actually going to go with episode three. Um, I enjoyed the moment between Midge and Joel in which she, you know, at a very rare moment of vulnerability tells him that she's really nervous. You know, she's a bit scared to go. Mm-hmm. And I actually really liked that moment. It was very sweet. Um, and it plays to their strengths, which I think is their friendship. Cool. Um, I really enjoyed Susie and Midge on the plane. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Lift your feet, lift your feet. Which I very much do. And them holding hands. And I was like, you know what? If this show ends with them being a couple, I'm not opposed. I just thought they were so cute on the plane. Um, they look like a cute little couple. Anyway. Um, and yeah, the experience of them in the casino was very funny to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, relatable. And I think as much as I do want Susie and Midge to kind of have that wonderful tension, I think the show is at its best when they are together. Totally. Um, and so we get a lot of that, which I like. And um, also has the great line, I was born in a different restaurant, which I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get a bit more of May. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things working there that I was like, okay, I'm enjoying the majority of this episode, whereas totally. other episodes, there were big chunks that I was not enjoying. Sure. Mm. Uh, I think it's for a similar reason, I'm uh, episode five, um, it's comedy or cabbage is mm-hmm. the one for me. Um, it's just full of funny moments throughout. So, opens with Midge and Susie arriving at their hotel in Florida um, or Miami, 
Miami, Florida. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like tipping everybody on the way in. Remember the face. Remember yeah. the face. Uh and then when they have, well, like oh, they arrive at the concierge or whatever, and Susie like slides into frame, extremely cartoonish <laughs> and like again silly. And then they're asking about all the specific things they want, mm. and you can tell they've been on tour for a while because they're getting good at doing yeah. that. And then the bit where she's like, "Oh my god, you're competent! Get out of here! Here, take all the money! Don't even go to run!" And like talking about the stairs to nowhere, mm. and then the swimming, teaching Susie to swim. On and on it goes. Just having a riot time yeah. with those two. They're, ha- they're awesome in this. Um, then you've got the giant newspaper with Abe. Might be one of the better sight gags all season. Mm-hmm. Rose in the street yelling at Moish mm. and just like... Is it, no, no uh, Shirley. Shirley, sorry. And just like... That was just silly I love and Shirley. I don't, she makes me laugh. Like she's well, I, I like really her. Enjoy her. There's a couple of moments this season where she's she's smarter than she lets on. Like the bit where uh, it's actually the same episode. Abe comes in and she's like, "I didn't say we didn't say you could have your friends over." And like a little kid's like, "Oh, I actually spoke to Moish about this. He says it's fine." He's like, "Oh, really? I'll oh, just call him down yeah. there." <laughs> <laughs> Moish. Yeah. yeah, like stuff like that's very funny. And then we get to Lenny and Midge, which takes up the last twenty minutes of the mm, show, which is and great. is a fucking highlight for me of the possibly the entire series, at least this season. Uh, yeah, just really, really enjoyed mm. the episode. Is it substantial as an episode? No. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> this season wasn't substantial as a season, yeah. so I really enjoyed what we got out of it. Predictions, hopes, or concerns for season four? I hope next season is a bit more focused. I hope they have... Um, Sounds like we're going to be in New York, likely, for most yeah. of it, especially now that she's got that apartment again. Yeah, so I hope there's kind of uh, an agenda of what we're doing there, what is going to be happening with the characters and why Mm -hmm. that is happening. Um, Yeah, I I guess that's it. I just kind of – all the things that concern me about season three, I hope they – Resolve. Yeah, they resolve it, but perhaps it happened for a reason this Mm. season so we could get somewhere really cool in season four. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's not starting a pattern. Do we think there are going to be big consequences beyond losing the tour she was going to be on in Europe? Big consequences for Midge that she's not with Shy Baldwin anymore. Like, career-wise, is she going to take mm. a massive step back? Is her name going to be mud? Is this... She's just going to well, struggle to find her feet again? I don't think it's going to be mud because no one really knows no. why she was fired. No, no, it doesn't even sound like Reggie is going to, like... It wasn't a vindictive thing. This is not no. like I'm going to ruin you now sort of situation, which yeah. we've done before with Sophie Lennon anyway. Yeah. Um, it's more of a... You, she thought she was set and now she's not. She's back to struggling a bit. Yeah. Um, I am imagine- back to working clubs again. I guess. I guess back to working clubs, mm. trying to get bigger theaters, maybe trying to get TV work. Um, just trying to like, she's lost momentum and trying to build that again. That, that, see, I don't find that all that fulfilling though. No, like, just this idea of like this stop stage. Yeah. I mean, that might be true to life. It can be mm. a bit stop start. You get a break and then things slow down again, and on it goes. But it's lacking in dramatic potential. I want to see more consequences for her. I mean, the thing that makes her interesting, dramatic potential, right, is that she's a female comic in a male-dominated world. And not only that, she's a white female comic, and that comes with complications, or a white comic, and Mm. what does that mean as well when you're trying to... Like, there's a lot of... Mm -hmm. There's a minefield to navigate here. So, navigate it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I wonder if, now that she's got the apartment, if we're going to see Abe and Rose move in with her, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to reestablish that old dynamic, except it's reversed, where it's her house, not theirs. Yeah. And what does that look like when she's the head of the household rather than them? Mm -hmm. I suppose that'll be there. Joel's been roped into Midge's finances. Um, So, what does that mean? 
I mean, I guess it just keeps them together. Otherwise, mm. they would go off to do their I separate things. I guess, like, things. yeah, it depends at what point will Midge discover that Joel is in some ways in charge of her finances. Mm-hmm. What will that say to um, her and Susie's relationship? Um, will Susie, because apparently her finances are still fucked, well, will she have to move into the that, house? Hmm. I don't mind that. Hmm. That'd, be, that'd, that'd be quite fun. Yeah. But everyone. Well, the thing is like, because what I loved about the cat schools was when everyone was together. Sure. So if we have them all move into one house... I don't mind it. What do we have that in? There's been a couple of shows where they do that and people split up for a season. It's like, mm. it's just a lesser thing. Yeah. And when you finally bring them back together, it's like, oh, this is what I wanted the whole time. It's always better when the full cast is together. You said that about The Good Place. The Good Place? You said it was like when, it's I like they, Cheers without the They did the in Cora season two as well. Yeah. They split them all up and then mm. season three, they're back together and it's way better because of it. Yeah. Um. So that's something to look forward to, I guess. They've mm-hmm. had their time apart. They can come back. I mean, I'm, are you looking forward to season four, I guess, after season three? I think so, but less so. Yeah, my, yeah. my enthusiasm am, has dropped a tad. Yeah. Because now I can see how this show can... After season one and two, mm. it was just like, this show is invincible. And I thought we were going to Europe. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were we going to have... Get, we did get a couple of episodes in France last season. <laughs> oh, that's true. And that was amazing. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, I thought this season was going to be Midge goes away and is exposed to a whole bunch of different things and is hanging out with different people and Susie would be there for a portion of it and it was going to be insular. And then when we have people like Abe or Rose or Joel come over and see her, it's like, oh, I've missed this character just as much as Midge, the person has missed them. Um, And we can have like, you know, an episode here and there where we really focus on that relationship. Um, That's not what we got. I feel like we've got a much more unfocused season. And I, yeah. That's the season I wanted and I didn't get it and so I'm disappointed. Yeah. I can, for the first time since watching this show, I can see how this can deteriorate. Yes. And so, again, it's like I said in my review, it's like it's hit a fork in the road. Either it continues to just be light but fun or it figures out how to make this a lasting, uh, impactful story mm. that will be remembered as being not just incredibly well directed and well shot and expensive, but actually meaningful and something that people will care about mm. forever and reflect back on as being important. I hope it doesn't important. Yeah, go the way that Gilmore Girls did. This is... Because that started like like pretty cool. You're like this is a really interesting story and I am really attached to these characters. And then it goes on and on and becomes less focused and the world expands, but the story gets less and it becomes something that... It's just a silly show. My advice is the advice I've given a lot of shows now. Pick an end point, work towards it. If you know you've got two seasons left, it'll focus and you'll leave the people wanting more and that is better than the people going, oh, I kind of, season five I comes out. I watching that three seasons ago. Yeah, it's like, oh, mm. that's still going? Like, that's not what you want. You mm. don't want a Walking Dead situation. You don't want a Simpsons situation. Mm-mm. Like, Pick an ending, stick to it, <laughs> yeah. get out of here, be remembered forever yeah. as being great. And don't rely on the network or the people yeah. that are making a show to be like, oh, now you have to finish. Yeah. Do it yourself. Make a good fuck. Because these people have money. It's not their first fucking show. Well, I don't know. That's always a, that's a very easy thing for us to say is like, hey, just end your show and then be unemployed. Like, it's, I don't if, think it's that simple. No, but if you got a hit. But if I had to make a creative choice, if I'm looking at the It's Amy Sherman the Palladino. Art, How many okay. shows have she been, she been given? Mm. Brian Fuller. Hello. He keep he ruins everything and people keep giving him shows. Well, he doesn't have any at the moment. Well, 
I guess, uh, ninth time you're out. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more, more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next week, we'll be back to discuss Watchmen Season 1. Woohoo! Uh, I haven't watched a frame of this yet. I have. How much have you watched so far? Four episodes. Uh, of the total nine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm uh, digging it, man. Digging it? Yeah. I am super looking forward to it. It's going to be... It's a lot, I think, to digest in a week, but I can't wait yeah, to start luck. watching it. <laughs> Damn. Damn. How long is an episode out of interest? I can't average? even remember because I'm enjoying it so much. Oh, that's, that I, is good. I think an hour, but it might not be. I don't know. Okay. Cool. I'm, just, I'm just enjoying it, yeah. In the meantime, thank you again for listening to Hunting Seasons. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so, it's